0: How do we make the creation of AI agents easier? Do we need an operating system for that? Smith OS thinks so, and Alexander DeRitter joins me. He's the man behind it. Let's find out on this bonus episode of The Business of Tech.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just
0: stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Alexander, thanks for joining me today.
1: Glad to be here. Thank you.
0: Now I want to start with sort of some, some basic stuff because as, as (laughs) I was listening to what you're taught, you were working on, you're in the AI space, but you've positioned it at what you're working on as an OS. You've got Smith OS. So, so explain to me a little bit. Like, why do we need another operating system?
1: Yeah. So, uh, like Windows gets you programs that you can run, right? Um, iOS, like iPhone gets you apps. SmithOS runs agents. So it's an agent operating system. It's a platform to run agents on. Now, building agents, you can do this with with code. You can spin up your own servers and so forth and so on. You know, programs and apps, you can code them in assembly language as well. Why don't you do that? Well, it makes no sense. You need an abstraction layer. You need something that makes it easier and faster. Uh, you need something to handle the networking, something to handle the communication, something to handle the memory. So many little things that you don't really have to worry about as a, as a program or app maker. Well, Smith does the same thing for agents. It handles all of that stuff. So you can go straight into the business logic.
0: Interesting. So, so the basic idea then is, is that we can create agents for sp- specific purposes and then deploy them in organizations, however is appropriate. And you give the infrastructure tools around it. Is, am I, am I sort of understanding it right?
1: Yeah. We, pr- we provide all of the, all of the hosted services for that agent to function APIs, but you can deploy them to your own domains. And then from there on, we have what we call embodiments, right? Because an agent right it's like a, a soul without a body so you need to put it somewhere what where could that be well if it's a brand agent you want to put that agent where the customers are you want to put it into google you want to put it in microsoft you want to put it in amazon you want to put it in siri etc uh chat gpt that, that is what we call embodiments but um you could also perhaps want to deploy the agent into let's say um a team environment where it's not publicly accessible. Uh, so maybe it's joining your Google workspace or Microsoft teams or Slack or discord. Those are like private that you treat them more like they're your digital colleagues. And, uh, you could also deploy them as uh, a background server process that is just sitting there waiting for, I don't know, a new JIRA ticket and then go get to work if they see something assigned to it.
0: Gotcha. So, so the, I, the basic idea here then is is to help organizations get these agents out into the right places by providing all of the kind of basic infrastructure tools. Am I, am I making yeah am simplifying well it a little too much? I
1: mean, you're hired. I mean,
0: okay. <laughs> well, I try and try and figure it out. So, so then the the next logical step, particularly for my audience, is is in many businesses. They're particularly as we move towards the smaller end of the market. They're generally working with organizations like managed services providers, IT services companies. How do you think about those implementers when you're thinking about a solution like SmithOS?
1: Yeah, so SmithOS needs a um, needs a system integrator to deploy. Um, it's it, it's it's like this, right? How many people in the world are building apps? Compared to how many people in the world are consuming apps. There's a big gap in numbers, right? It's a right. F- tiny fraction of, of people who make them and, and, and millions and millions of not built, no, billions. Yeah. You can say billions of users who use them. So same way with agents. Not everybody is cut out to build and manage and update and agents and. You know, get down with the client and figure out the process and how to best solve a solution and architect that. Not, not everybody's cut out for it. Now, what Smith has done, it's, it's lowered the, 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 the bar so much in terms of difficulty of entry into that, meaning that people with even traditionally not like coding backgrounds can use our visual no code drag and drop interface with prompt engineering to do spectacular things. Uh, Still, it's still not for everyone. I wouldn't ask my mom to go and build agents, for example, but she would use them. And so that's the same way that this would be rolled out in uh, managed service provider context and enterprise context as well. It's not so much about consolidating your AI, it's about aggregating your intelligence. So the people in your organization basically aggregate it into agents and and, and so forth. Everyone in the organization can access it through these aggregated intelligences, and so this is the way you solve internal process problems this is the way you make your team more productive this is the way you solve uh, challenging client uh problems that you could previously not imagine solving
0: interesting now one of the things that i've I've posited i'd like to get your reaction to this premise so one of the things I think is is going to be a space, particularly for this world of consultants that are, you know, MSPs, IT services companies, advisors, you know, that are helping small businesses is that there's a lot of different models and a lot of different techniques out there as a ways to do it. And if I, if I compare this to, the winemaking process. This is an interesting is if we think about this from you need grapes, the different grapes create uh, results in different wines. And, uh, you know, the guys over at Tech Meme ride home and did a really good job of structuring and saying, like, they think that the models will end up being a lot like the grapes and the expertise of the app developers and the people pulling it together will be like the winemaker. And I've extended that and said, okay, that makes some sense to me. And that also then means that the IT services companies and MSPs are like the sommeliers because they're matching created wines to customers in a correct way. I'd like to get your sort of reaction to that way of structuring and thinking about it as somebody who's spending a lot of time on the tools.
1: I mean, at the analogy, um, I like, like structurally, it's, it's sound, like the idea that you combine different things and then you have the experts weigh in and and, 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 and weigh and compare and so forth and use and consume that process. It makes sense, uh, where I, I, I prefer an analogy that's more like, uh, specifically for Smith and what we're doing. I like it more like an orchestra conduct, uh, conductor. Um, you know, you've got, you got the violins, you got the drums, you got the harp, you got the trumpets, I see the internet, like the, the, the orchestra, all the instruments. And what you need to do is you need to orchestrate intelligence. So s- some uh, orchestration is going to involve one or more AI models. They each have their different strengths on uh, timbre, like their sound. So different, you know, different musical instruments have their different flavors and sounds. So you have that. Then you have your data sources. Then you have your process, your music sheet that you follow. So y- you combine data. APIs, AIs, and process, and you orchestrate it. So Smith is the, well, Smith puts you, the agent engineer, in the role of conductor, and allows you to efficiently orchestrate that intelligence. Uh, in the, in the case of this, the, the wine making example, that's wonderful. Um, you, you, for example, have the quality of the grapes that goes into it. Um, you know, a very advanced wine might use A mixture of different uh, ingredients, right? So same way Smith allows you to use a mixture of different AI models into one solution in one bottle wine, right? One type of solution. And then finally, it's not just about creating it. Um, if only billionaires can come and listen to my orchestra, right? It's not so accessible. So we need to make sure these agents can be deployed everywhere. Uh, and be become accessible for them to be really useful.
0: So how are you thinking about this in terms of the ethics and frameworks to apply? Because you know there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of open space and I'm not a you know I'm not a dooms uh sayer on this but at the same time I also recognize that that you know this technology needs to be applied in a thoughtful way to get good outcomes to and if we don't put ethical boundaries and frameworks around it like Bad things can happen. How do you think about that problem of ethics and frameworks in, in AI?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a very interesting topic. Um, and I've, I've put a lot of thought into it. Uh, actually, I think it's, it is as complex as, let's say, the second amendment in the United States, right? Because on the one hand, you want people to have access to these technologies, but then you also count on the individuals that have access to it to, to do that in a responsible way. And you're acknowledging that bad actors can use such tools in an irresponsible way that uh, can threaten our safety or democracy in other ways and health and and and, and so forth. From, so from that perspective, is this this tension between, you know, utility for good and utility for bad on a macro level, on a societal level. So not just the individual person's responsibility, but on a governmental level, It also, um, it also comes down to how, how the, I would say like the fruits of the labor of not the worker, but the AI agent uh, or AI or other technology is used in a way that it elevates the, the, and benefits the, the people that such government regulation serves. And that is a very complex topic. That has, you know, hundreds of dimensions and, and, and people and things to consider and so forth. But here's what I would, here's how I would say with that. I think it's actually easier, um, to solve this than many other problems that we have in society and regulation and so forth. And here's why. The, typically speaking, we think of how wealthy a nation is by something like GDP per capita, right? So now, now now, imagine that for every capita, every human, we had 10 or 100 AI agents helping them be more productive. And let's just hypothetically say that scales, and we literally increase our GDP by 10 or 100x. But the capita remains steady. What that means is that there is a hundred, 10 or a hundred times more wealth generated, productivity generated for the same amount of population. If I'm telling you to make a budget, but your budget increases by 10 or a hundred X in the next few years, you shouldn't have a problem taking care of my basic needs. You should be able to see certain things. Um, maybe my answer gets a little bit too long now, but it's really an interesting question. So here's, here's some things that we would consider normal in the future that we may not consider normal now. Right. Today, we expect the government to deliver basic services for us, like roads and schooling, and in some countries, healthcare, right? but we did not expect the government to, I don't know, get us a new car or get us a house. Why? Because it's, uh, you know, the, the balance of taxation and government size and everything is always like we're surrendering some of our rights in exchange for public good in a society we want to live in. Right? So we, we pay taxes so that there's police so that in general, we can have a safe neighborhood. Because without a safe neighborhood, I can't do my business and I can't make money. So the trade off with the government is always of such a nature where we, we trade some of our wealth and, and so forth. And in exchange, we, we get some service back. Now, here's where this gets interesting. In the future, in a, you know, GDP 10X, 100X scenario, certain services become so affordable to render that totally makes sense for the government to start providing that to to the people as just a right of the country you live in right um and i know the word right is like politically uh, charged but let's just say call it a government service and the only way you can do that is if those particular services costs come down so much that it basically becomes a no-brainer And so when I talk to people, both left and right, you know, it and you ask them questions like, like, do you care about eliminating poverty in this country? There's not a single person left or right that, that will contest you. We're all in favor of those things. So what I'm saying is that when it comes to regulating AI as a government, It is a lot easier to regulate the benefits of AI when everyone can expect a hundred X improvement. Now, the trick is this, we need to make sure that that hundred X increase in GDP, that, that does not benefit only like a tiny percentage of the population. But when everyone is making such, so much more. As a country, the government has an easier time to distribute that without affecting. I mean, if you already have a hundred billion in the bank, what does one more billion make a difference? So today I would have to take from your hundred billion tomorrow. That might be a trillion dollars and you'll never have enough time in your life to spend that kind of money. So it's not the traditional, like, I'm going to take from you. We're talking about net new 10x, 100x opportunity for society. And we're talking about a society that fundamentally can have the basic needs of every human met. And then we move to a society where work shifts more to something like, I do this because I love my reputation. I'm passionate about this and I want to do this. And and you know, as an entrepreneur, I mean, you have a podcast and I met a lot of people listening here uh, are the same way. Many of you, would do and are doing what you do, even if you have no guarantee that you'll be paid. Many bootstrap startups are in, the, in those shoes. We just believe in something. And if, if we have our needs met, our families are happy, we're healthy, we can afford everything we need, then money just doesn't become the important driver of that anymore. And so this is the the regulatory environment, government-wise, we we will need to pay attention to that, and of course, protecting bad actors. Second Amendment-style uh, discussion debate: how we how we regulate that? It's it's very complex. Uh, the safety aspect.
0: Now, there's an intermediate step at some level. So if you know, and, and we have directionally lots of different ideas on the way that we might go with, with a long term societal version of it. But interim, the interim step is there's going to need to be some corporate, you know, corporate government governance and policy and framework implementation in organizations to make sure that they're not getting getting too far ahead of themselves. How do you think about that problem in the, you know, as you're thinking about the directional direction? How, how do you think about that problem? in the near and you know short term future.
1: Yeah. So at SmithOS we've we've done some thinking and we've implemented some methods to go about it and some principles. Like one of them is called constrained alignment. So the alignment issue is where an AI can get so smart you don't really control it and it can be unpredictable and do things you didn't intend for it to do. We solve that We solve that problem by orchestrating intelligence. Every component in the workflow is only as smart as it needs to be to solve its own task. And it does not have the rights to break free from that workflow and go and do other things that you didn't intend for it to do. So for businesses, I think it's an absolute disaster to take Skynet and plug it into your system and say, go. Like that whole concept of auto-GPT, Where where AI decides for itself how it's going to solve problems, and then has full freedom within the power of the AI model that you give it to go and publish things to your website or things and that that is a bad idea. You need to constrain that intelligence. So that's one principle: constrained alignment. The other thing that um that we uh that we do that's really important is we have been building AI agents for a while at least since uh, March of this year, when GPT-4 came out and it started being able to call functions, something before wasn't possible. So anyone that's saying AI agents, we're not talking about the same definition if before March. You couldn't build AI agents under that definition before then. But we've built a lot of such agents using such techniques since that technology became available. And what, what you end up with Is whether you code it by hand or use frameworks like LangChain, you end up with so much code. And something to keep in mind: these AIs are what you call non-deterministic. They're they're fuzzy. Every answer is slightly different. So you cannot account for every possibility in the multiverse in your calculations. So what you end up with such code bases that are completely unmanageable. You you something happened and it was wrong, how do you go through all that code to go and figure out where exactly it went wrong? It's like an impossible task. Believe me, I have been there. I have tried it. So what we did is we built some of the world's uh most robust debugging tools. We created a visual orchestration. So what does that mean? It's like you can visually see, oh, it's trying to do this, then go in here and here. And here's the exact inputs and outputs and and by the way, after a thousand customers used it, here are the exact logs of every single thing that went on in this process. And you can analyze that and say, ah, this is where it went wrong. I need to adjust this component. I need to constrain it better. And so that creates transparency, auditability, and, you know, constrained alignment so that you can actually be in control of the, of the ethical application and constrained rolling out of AI responsibly in an organization in a way that you're in control and you can drive and make that better and better over time. But people need the tools to be able to do that because we're all talking about it. But in practice, if you tried built agents by code, you quickly learn that the debugging, transparency, and auditability in every solution out there in the market, say for Smith, that's why we built it, is not meeting those enterprise needs of standards of responsible and ethical use of AI.
0: Interesting. Well, you've given us a lot to think about. So if people are interested in learning more and, and, and trying out the platform, where can they get more information?
1: Our website, smithos.com, smith with a Y. And, um, you can also follow me on LinkedIn, Alexander de Ritter, AD Ritter is my handle. LinkedIn or Twitter is the best way to reach, uh, reach me personally. Awesome.
0: Alexander, this has been fascinating, and I really appreciate you joining me today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Dave.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Business of Tech is written and produced by me, Dave Sobel, under Ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. Like the content, support the show at patreon.com/mSPradio or buy our Why do We Care merch at businessof.tech. If you want to reach our listeners, visit mspradio.com/engage. Part of the MSP Radio Network.